Hey everybody, this is Matt Wolf, your lead pastor, and I'm in Moab, Utah right now on vacation. This is the hometown of my wife, Melissa. And this week you're in for a special treat. For the last few months I've been working with two guys to learn how to study and then communicate God's Word. And so if you're here this Sunday, what you're going to hear in the first service is from Matthew Dion, and in the second service from Kinton Chan, two members of our church who have been really working hard to study God's Word and to communicate it to you. So, hope you're ready. My name is Matthew Dion, and um, I am overjoyed to have this opportunity to share God's Word with everybody this morning. Um, it's really a pleasure. I, uh, I'm relatively new to the church here, so there's a, a good probability that many of you don't know me. And I want to take just a minute to introduce myself before I dive into the Word, if that's all right with you. Uh, my family and I moved here from the Chicago area about three years ago. Um, in Chicago, I was working as a youth pastor, and I was uh, finishing, finishing up my degree in pastoral ministry. And around the... Around the... Um, I, I think I'm too loud. <laughs> around the time that I was coming to the close... Um, my wife and I started feeling this, this calling, this pull to the Denver area. We were thinking, you know, just both of us kind of um, independently were feeling like God was calling us here. And we didn't really know why or how that was going to look, but we said, okay, Lord, let's do that. So we packed up our family and we moved out here. Amen, yeah, amen right? And then we waited. Um, that was about three years ago. So uh, since then... So, you know, I was, I'm going into ministry, so you know I'm not a, a heavy earner. So um, since then, I have been a stay-at-home dad where my wife works, and my primary ministry, my primary job, is to take care of my wonderful four children. I have two middle schoolers, Jacob and Alexander. I have a four-year-old, Ezekiel, who is, never stops. And then we have a two-year-old little girl, Rose Lynn, who is absolutely spoiled rotten by her brothers. Not me. Sometimes me. Um, but I'm sure you can imagine it gets a little chaotic. Then it, you, we, when you have that much activity going on, you need to have a plan. You need to have structure. You need to have things in order or else things break down really quickly. And... I, I like to think that I'm able to survive it and make sure everybody is wearing pants on most days because of my dynamic parenting skills, because I'm really organized, but it couldn't be further from the truth. Mostly, the grace of God, the fact that my wife is an excellent multitasker, and she's also beautiful. Hi, sweetie. Um, and, and really, i got good kids. Um, especially my older guys, they help a lot. And it's one of the neat things about having that age gap is while I'm arguing with my four-year-old about snack time or about whether or not he needs to take a nap and I'm trying to teach him these lessons, I can see in my older boys the lessons that I taught them at that same age. I can see the end of that argument. When you're in the middle of it, it feels like it's never going to stop. But it's nice to see the end of that argument. It's nice to see their character develop. And I think, oh, thank the Lord, maybe there's a chance they're going to be able to make good decisions when they get older and they have to make them themselves. Um, I'm not saying, I don't say it like that because they're bad kids. 
I say it like that because I have personal experience about making bad decisions when I have freedom. Um, there we go. Yeah. Uh, so, so here's the story. Uh, when I, I wasn't raised in a terribly strict household, but there were definitely rules. And uh, you know, one of those, I, at about 15, 16 years old, I got fixated on the idea that I wanted to get tattoos. I said, "Mom," and she said. No, absolutely not. Until you're 18 years old, the skin right there belongs to me. Can't blame her. Jacob, Xander, that skin belongs to me, just so you know. <laughs> so, you can see what my reaction to that was. Um, the second, this was about a week after my 18th birthday, uh, my buddy and I decided we would go out and test the boundaries of our new freedom. And um, we did all the things that we could legally do and a couple of things that we weren't supposed to legally do. And um, I got that. And so if you, if you look here, this is, by the way, still on, my, still on my arm to this day. If you look here, what you have is a very confused mix of Eastern religious symbolism. And you would think that I was like maybe really into Taoism or that I was into Chinese culture or something along those lines, but you couldn't, that couldn't be further from the truth. I, was, I, walked into the, um, I walked into the tattoo shop, I picked up the book, and I said, can I get that dragon? What if it was holding a yin-yang and that yin-yang was bleeding? That would be so dope. Like that, yeah. So, so that's how I chose that out. It wasn't any deep personal commitment. And um, I see the way you're looking at me. And don't judge me. Maybe you went out and opened up an IRA and registered to vote when you turned 18. I'm guessing that at some point in your life, you have done something stupid, just because no one was stopping you. We all have, right? This is what happens. When we have rules, we have boundaries, and then all of a sudden there's freedom. It's like, yeah, let's go do this. You would have thought I learned my lesson. See, the first one I got when I was 18, that one was about six months later. I don't even know what that is. Um, we, do, we do dumb stuff. And so, you know, look, the point here, and I'm not coming up here to say tattoos are bad or that I was a particularly bad kid. That's not the case at all. The point is that the consequences of what we do with our freedom can have lasting effects. 18 years later, you can do the math, I still pick up, I still look in the mirror a lot of mornings and shake my head and say, what is that even supposed to be? <laughs> and now my kids, are, they, you know, they get the little sticky temper, the, the little one, the sticky temporary tattoos, and I'm like, no, you don't want that. Don't do that. This is not a new problem. And this is what our reading today, um, and by the way, if you have your Bible or you've got a Bible app on your phone and you want to follow along, our reading is going to be in the book of Romans. Um, that's after the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the book of Romans, chapter 6. Um, that's, that's part of what our reading today is about. What do we do? We have freedom in Christ and how are we going to use that? Um, the Apostle Paul, wrote when he wrote the letter to the Romans, he told them, his purpose, the reason why he was writing it, was that he wanted to impart on them a spiritual gift. And for him, that spiritual gift was to preach the gospel. Now, in our culture, the word gospel has been used a lot. And so sometimes I think it kind of loses its meaning. But the word gospel, literally, um, it's, it's translated from the Greek word euangelion, which just means good news. 
And so I, the slide popped up there with the word sin on it. And I'm sure you're probably all thinking, that sounds like good news. <laughs> but what, what the Apostle Paul knew was that in order to understand the good news, first we had to understand the bad news. And the bad news is, as he lays out very thoroughly, and certainly in the first uh, few books of Romans, is that everybody... And so the word sin literally means to miss the mark. But everybody has sinned. Everybody sins and falls short of the glory of God. Everything. We have the almighty, all-wonderful creator of the universe displaying his works, displaying his beauty for us all to see, and we have universally rejected him. Here's another word that we love to hear, judgment. And we fall under God's judgment because we rejected him. If you are in rebellion to the most perfect being in the universe, there are consequences for that, it says. And when, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and God said, you can have anything here in the garden, that just don't touch the one tree, just don't take from the one tree, you're going to die. Adam said, like I'm sure I probably would have said, or maybe any of us would have said, that's the one I want. And he said, that is going, he said, that's going to lead to death. And so that's, we're all destined for death. That's the bad news. Salvation. We know what we're being saved from. God loved us so much that he would not leave us in that state. He sent Christ. Christ, the eternal Son of God, came, took on the punishment. Even though he never sinned, took on the punishment, took on the death, took on all of the things that we had earned, that we had deserved for us, that we, we don't have to. And this brings us to where we come in our reading in chapter 6 of, of the book of Romans. Because of what Christ did, because our sins are nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ, and we participate in his death, we also partake in his resurrection. We came back from the grave. We can, we can live a new life in Jesus Christ, and that's what we're going to be talking about. That's good news, right? Amen, right? Amen. Yeah, that's good news. And again, you might be the person who opened up the IRA on their 18th birthday, but for me, my first response to that is, wait a minute, I'm forgiven? All that stuff that I did, I don't have to worry about it. I can actually, I'm not going to be condemned for any of it. It says, Romans 8.1, it says that nothing, not even my own stupidity, can separate me from the love of Christ. That's good news. So my response is, woo, let's celebrate. Everybody, let's go get a tattoo. It's not a new attitude. The thing that, uh, sorry, next slide. The question that the Apostle Paul starts our passage out, and this is uh, Romans six fifteen. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace. That is a question that, in, in the original language, it actually answers itself. It's a rhetorical question. What Paul is kind of saying is, uh, duh, you're not supposed to sin. That's that by no means. But again, for folks like me, um, you have to ask, we, we have to ask the question. We want to know, what can I get away with? How far can I push it? We need, to, we need to understand why. And so Paul takes the rest of this verse explaining 
why exactly we shouldn't be sinning. So, the first thing, the, the first thing that Paul says, um, <clears throat> as to, oh, I'm sorry, b- b- before, getting ahead of myself, before we answer that question, I want to talk a little bit about, I want to talk a little bit about the word slavery. Um, Paul uses, he, he heavily uses, throughout this letter and actually other letters, the concept of slavery to illustrate his point. And the people in Paul's time would have understood this. One in three people in, in, in the city of Rome uh, were in slavery in some way, shape, or form. And the people here and now sitting in the United States in Denver are most likely going to misunderstand this. And the reason why we're going to misunderstand this is because when we think about slavery, we think about the horrors of the transatlantic slave trade. We think about chattel slavery. We think about the scar that it left on this country. We think about the way that it damaged entire generations of people and set the way that it ripped families apart and the way that even in religious circles, people were abusing other people because of the color of their skin. That's not something that I want to ignore. It's not something that we need to set aside and pretend it doesn't matter. But if we're going to understand what Paul is saying, we have to understand that that's not what Paul was talking about when he said slavery. In Paul's time, slavery was... Um, there, there were a wide, there's a wide variety of ways that that would play out. And it was not based on, any, on your ethnicity, your background, your skin color. It wasn't, all slavery wasn't the same. So, you know, there, were, there was absolutely, you know, people who were in hard labor, people who were treated poorly. Um, there were, it's not a super positive thing, of course, but there, was also, there were also people who would willingly sell themselves into slavery because they could find a good master who was able to support them when they weren't able to do that. There were people who um, were doctors and lawyers. There were people who were actors and athletes that were in slavery. So there was a wide spectrum. And the main thing that you need to understand is that in that time, the condition of slavery would depend entirely on the person's master on who their master was. And so that's what Paul is beginning, that's what Paul is saying here in this verse. He says, one, you see, um, uh, he said, it, it's, it's highlighted here on the slide for us that we present ourselves. So do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as an obedient slave, you are a slave of the person, or you are, <clears throat> pardon me, you are a slave of the one whom you obey. These, the, the slavery he's talking about, there was a choice here. Now, he says there's two masters. Either sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. Now, I personally, when I read that, I'm not thrilled with that idea. I don't like the idea that I am beholden that I'm going to be a slave to anyone. To me, it seems like 
okay, so I slip up. I did something I shouldn't have done. Does that really mean I'm a slave? Well, let's see. The Apostle James says it this way. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. He describes this cycle. And this is very much... This is very much like what Paul is saying in, in this section. Sin leads to ever-increasing wickedness, leads to shame, leads to death. might not seem that way, but I want you to think about the last scandal you saw, the last embezzlement scheme, the last lurid affair that you saw in your uh, Facebook feed or on, on in your newspaper or whatever it is, do you think that that person woke up in the morning and said, hey, you know, I think I'm going to ruin my life with a massive public scandal? No, most likely not. You see, it starts out small. It starts out like this. I work really hard. I don't get any recognition. you have any idea how many hours I put in? A little extra is not going to hurt. It starts out with harmless flirting. Hey, you know, it's just a joke. It's not going to go anywhere, right? That um, nobody, nobody wants to have a pornography habit. Nobody starts out saying, I think I'm going to get addicted to drugs this week. The thing is, you go down that road, you take your first step, and you're introduced to it. And, um, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, the, maybe she responds to your joking. And next thing you know, you're going out for drinks. Go out for drinks and then something happens and now you're ashamed. You know you've done something wrong. You know you've gone too far and there's nothing you can do about it. And it gets exposed because it always does, no matter how much lying, no matter how much covering up we do, it gets exposed and it's out there and everybody knows. You can't even walk into work anymore. It starts out small and it leads to more. Sin, no matter what it is, self-righteousness or greed or lust, has a way of grabbing a hold of us, taking our commitment and taking our eyes off of Jesus. So, I mean, can we agree that we don't want that? Anybody? Amen? Is that a good thing? Look, I think that's easy to agree we don't want that. We don't want that shame. We don't want increasing wickedness, shame, and death. If, if you do, then we probably ought to talk later. But the, the thing that I, I'm wondering about is, why do, why do I have to be a sin to obedience? Why do I have to be a sin to anything? Or I'm sorry, why do I have to be a slave? Pardon me. Uh, why do I have to be a slave to obedience? Why do I have to be a slave to anything? See, can I just have like the, the eternal life there at the end? When we say, I'm a, you know, to be a slave to holiness or righteousness, kind of alarm bells, they go off in the back of your head, don't they? I mean, they, they do in mine. It sounds to me like, um, it sounds to me like kind of uptight, judgmental, uh, holier than thou kind of stuff. And that's, that's not what Paul was talking about here. When he's saying this, 
um, righteousness, holiness, those are things that's talking about being in right relationship with God. And that's talking about not only a relationship, not only a golden ticket to heaven, but that's talking about our life here and now. It's talking about being used for his purpose and it's talking about reflecting his glory. You see, we're all made, God has created us for a good purpose. We were made to glorify him and we never are really right until we do. When we're in right relationship with God and when we're living according to his purpose, we have a sense of joy and a sense of peace that lasts. Paul says we have to choose. You can't just kind of dabble in one and dabble in the other. Guys, uh, probably most of us know who Bob Dylan is. Uh, but if you don't, you can Google him on your phone later. Um, Bob Dylan, you know, a famous rock star, was notorious for living the rock star life. He, you know, by all accounts, partying, drugs, women, um, drinking, and, and wasn't terribly pleasant to work with either. Kind of a quirky guy, if you can imagine. But so the story goes, uh, at some point in the 70s, Dylan had enough of it. It was taken a wear on him. People around him were coming, you know, becoming believers and talking to him about it. And at one point he was on a tour and he just couldn't leave his hotel room. It just, it, it just reached, it reached its apex. All of the sin and, and all the things that he had been involved with were, um, they were, they were giving him anxiety and he, he missed an engagement. And, uh, this is where it gets a little fuzzy as to what happened, but, you know, either he turned on a TV, saw a, t- a televangelist and gave his life away, or he, they say maybe he had a vision of Christ saying, you know, I've got a better purpose for you. But, you know, after that, he made, he came out with his first gospel album, Slow Train Coming. And one of the, one of the songs on there, Gotta Serve Somebody, fits out well. So I was going to do a Bob Dylan voice, but I don't want to embarrass, embarrass myself too badly up here. <laughs> but uh, listen, you may be a preacher with your spiritual pride. You may be a city councilman taking bribes on the side. You may be working in a barber shop. You may know how to cut hair. Put that back. This clicker is not a good idea. I'm trying it out today. And <laughs> You might be somebody's mistress. You may be somebody's heir. But you're going to have to serve somebody. I did it a little bit. Not well. Um, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. You know, I'm not going to sit here and try to prop Bob Dylan up as... Um, as like a hero of our faith and there's all, you know, anytime somebody's, especially a rock star, is still alive, they're probably going to say something ridiculous. I know I would um, and I am not a rock star. But they're probably going to say something ridiculous and, and, and that's the point isn't about his theology or about whether or not it's genuine. The point is that he knew what it was like to be a slave to sin. He knew what it was like to be in a cycle that leads to death. And he knew that it was service and that there was a better option. This passage right here, six, uh, um, Romans 6, verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. 
were once slaves of sin. This is about conversion. The, um, the standard of teaching that he's talking about, that's the gospel. Having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. You see, there's a change of position. You are no longer in bondage to your sin. Romans, uh, Romans 10.9 says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. That's it. End of story. You have a new master in Jesus Christ. Whether or not you like it, you've got a new master. In Christ, this is the big idea, by the way, for anybody who's taking notes. In Christ, God has freed us from bondage to sin and death so that we can live in a way that glorifies God, so we can live in a way that pleases Him. We have a new master, a good master. You go back and you think about you think about the way we were living. You think about the sins that you committed before you knew Christ. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. It doesn't matter what I do, right? But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are ashamed now? That that idea that sin leads to shame, it's, you look back at the things, at the sins in, in your life, you look back at the ways that we've fallen short, and it's not really appealing. So the question is, why, why would we want to go back? Proverbs 26.11 says that like a dog returning to his own vomit is a fool who goes back to his folly. It's a really vivid image, isn't it? It's disgusting. And I'm a dog owner and I know they do that. Um, yeah, four kids and a dog. So... We have a choice, my friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a choice. We've been set free. We don't have to be a slave to that cycle of sin and death. We don't have to be trapped in that. Christ has set us free from the bondage of sin and slavery so that we can be so we can be slaves to righteousness, so we can live in a way that pleases him, so that we can Fulfill the glorious purpose that God has for us. I've heard it put this way. Nah, that's not right. Um, okay. I've heard it put this way. Um, when we came to trust in Christ, before we came to trust in Christ, we were living at the devil's house. We had uh, all the trappings and the sin and all the things there at the devil's house. And, and um, after we came to trust in him, we had a change of address. 
So the question Paul's asking is, why is your car still parked in the devil's driveway? Why is your stuff still there? Um, brother, sister in Christ, this is, this is specifically for believers. Since we have a choice, even though we're saved, we're not going to lose our salvation because we commit sin. It's, it, it doesn't work like that. Um, but we can still mess things up pretty badly. We can still hurt our, you know, we can still hurt our family. We can, we can still hurt our lives. So if you're walking along, things are going okay, and then you know that the new guy at the office, he's, he looks pretty good. Steer clear. Find somebody else. Some, find a brother or sister in Christ to talk to that you trust. Sit down with them. Tell them about your temptation. Confess. Pray with them. But steer clear of that. We can still hurt ourselves. We can still ruin our life. Maybe, um, maybe you've been a Christian for years and you are stuck. You know exactly what Dylan was singing about. You know exactly what it feels like to be stuck in that cycle. This isn't something that you have to ease out of. It's not something that you have to think about. It's not something that it's not something that's going to take. I mean, it'll take work. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's easy, but it, this isn't this isn't like a, a choice that you have to think about. What we need to do, if you are stuck in that cycle, is confess today. You, you, you need to pray today. Confess to the Lord what your sin is, and pray for deliverance. Pray for deliverance from that. And again, find a brother or sister in Christ. Sit down, pray with them, have them hold you accountable. It's also possible, however, that you may be here and um, this is your first time that you've been to church in 10 years. You're not 100% sure what I'm talking about, but you know the weight of, you know the weight of having that slavery to sin. It's possible that you've been going to church for all of your life. And you've heard the message a thousand times, but you feel the Holy Spirit working on your heart today, telling, telling you that you never put Christ on the throne of your heart. And if that's the case for all of us, it's time to do that today. It's time for us to pray today, to ask Christ to be in control, to give ourselves over, yes, to slavery, to, to, to service, to righteousness, to service to Jesus Christ. Because what God has in store for us is so much better than anything we can imagine. The end of the things that, uh, that we were doing when we were in slavery and, uh, slavery and bondage to sin, the end of that is death. And in service to Christ, the end of that is eternal life. As a promise for today and for the future, for eternity with Him. So as the band, um, as the band comes up and joins us, up here on stage, manuals. Um, I just like to. I'd like to go through and <laughs> all right. We'll get the ginks worked out. I promise. Um, verse twenty-three is uh, one that even if you've never been to church before, you probably heard at some point. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Wages, that's, that's talking about what we've earned. That's talking about the work that you've done, and the work that we've done is sin. What we get from our, what we get from our hard work and our earning um, is, is death. 
but Jesus Christ, His death on the cross. The result of that is a gift. And it's something that we don't have to do anything for. We don't have to do any good work. All we need to do is accept that gift and receive it. We need to say, we need to confess with our mouth, Jesus is the Lord. He's on the throne of my heart. I'm going to say a prayer with you. And um, if, if this is the first time you're praying this, or if it's something that uh, you, you, you know you need to pray, something that you know you need to figure out, what, what are the next steps? How do, I, how do I go forward from here? How do I break this cycle? I'm going to be in the back. Um, Pastor Bill's going to be in the back. And we would love to sit down and pray with you. But I just I urge you, brothers and sisters in Christ, don't be slaves to your sin. Give yourself up to righteousness. Give yourself up to Jesus Christ. Put Him in a position of authority in your life. If you don't know Him, there's so much joy waiting for you. This is your first time. Let Give yourself over to Him for the first time, God. Let's just uh, take a moment to pray. Dear Lord, we're stuck. We don't know what to do. We can't fix this problem ourselves. Our sin has gotten out of control and it's taken control of our life. And God, I don't want that anymore. We don't want that in our lives anymore. Set us free. Set us free, Lord. Set us free so that we can serve You, God, because we know that in Jesus Christ that You have given us the power, that You have given us the calling to live a righteous life, to live a life that pleases God, to live a life that pleases You, Lord. I just pray as we're sitting here, God, that You would turn our hearts, that You would draw us towards You, that we would put what You need, put what we need in our lives to live in a way that pleases You, Lord. We confess that You're the Lord of our heart. God, we invite you, we beg for you to come and sit on the throne of our heart. Lord, we love you so much. Amen.